Good day and welcome to the GoPros Q4 2021 Earnings Conference Call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Jolene Hoover, VP of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, ma'am. Thank you, operator. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to GoPro's fourth quarter and 2021 earnings conference call. With me today are GoPro's CEO, Nicholas Woodman, and CFO and COO, Brian McGee. Today's agenda will include a brief introduction from Nick, followed by Q&A. For detailed information about our fourth quarter and 2021 performance and our outlook, please read the management commentary we've posted to GoPro's Investor Relations website. Before I pass the call to Nick, I'd like to remind everyone that our remarks today may include forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements and all other statements that are not historical facts are not guarantees of future performance and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties which may cause actual results to differ materially. Additionally, any forward-looking statements made today are based on assumptions as of today including but not limited to uncertainty related to the duration and impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. This means that results could change at any time, and our commentary about our business results and outlook is based on the information available as of today's date. We do not undertake any obligation to update these statements as a result of new information or future events. Information concerning our risk factors is available in our most recent annual report on Form 10-K, for the year ending December 31, 2020, which is on file with the Securities and Exchange Commission and another report that we may file from time to time with the SEC. Today we may discuss gross margin, operating expense, net profit and loss, EBITDA, as well as basic and diluted net profit and loss per share in accordance with GAAP and additionally on a non-GAAP basis. We believe that non-GAAP information is useful because it can enhance the understanding of our ongoing economic performance. We use the non-GAAP reporting internally to evaluate and manage our operations, and we choose to provide this information to enable investors to perform comparisons of operating results in a manner similar to how we analyze our own operating results. A reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP operating expenses can be found in the press release that was issued this afternoon, which is posted on our website. In addition to the earnings press release and management commentary, we have posted slides containing detailed financial data and metrics for the fourth quarter and for 2021. The management commentary and slides, as well as a link of today's live webcast and a replay of this conference call, are posted on the GoPro Investor Relations website for your reference. Unless otherwise noted, all income statement-related numbers that are to discuss today during the call, other than revenue, are non-GAAP. Now I'll turn the call over to GoPro's founder and CEO, Nicholas Woodman. Thanks, Jolene, and good afternoon, everyone. In 2021, GoPro navigated a challenging business environment and thrived. We successfully launched innovative new hardware, software, and subscription offerings and leveraged the first full year of our more direct-to-consumer subscription-centric strategy to grow revenue, margins, and profitability while generating a record year-end cash balance of $539 million. 2021 revenue was $1.16 billion, up 30% year-over-year. Margins grew to 41.1% on a GAAP basis and to 41.4% non-GAAP. GAAP EPS increased to $2.27, with non-GAAP EPS increasing more than 10 times over 2020 to $0.90. Cents. 
2021 was our third consecutive profitable year on a non-GAAP basis, with Q4 bringing home the win with the successful launch of our new flagship camera, Hero 10 Black. Effective supply chain management kept shelves stocked globally for the holidays, and we grew Q4 revenue and earnings year over year, with revenue up 9% to $391 million, and net income up 8% to $66 million. This strong performance coupled with our impressive, impressive cash generation, as well as expected future cash generation, contributed to our decision to announce a share repurchase program of up to $100 million of our Class A common stock. In addition to growth in revenue and profitability, 2021 was also a year of optimization across our business, including refining our product development approach and modernizing our e-commerce infrastructure. In 2021, we grew our direct-to-consumer revenue 39% year-over-year to a record $392 million, representing 34% of revenue, up from 32% in 2020. Q4 direct-to-consumer revenue was $128 million, or 33% of revenue, up 10% year-over-year. Our direct-to-consumer efforts contributed to the addition of 815,000 new GoPro subscribers in 2021, bringing our GoPro subscriber total to approximately 1.6 million year-end, representing very strong growth of 107% year-over-year. And we're happy to report that subscriber retention rates remained at the same favorable levels we've mentioned on previous earnings calls, with several opportunities to further improve on this important metric. Our quick app subscription, which we launched in spring of 2021 for mobile users who do not own a GoPro camera, grew to approximately 221,000 subscribers by year-end. Looking at 2022 and beyond, we plan to grow our business and expand our TAM by enhancing our product ecosystem, leveraging automation to help our customers more conveniently achieve success, creating derivative cameras to diversify our offerings, targeting TAM-expanding use cases in a more specific manner than we do today, and expanding our cloud, mobile, and upcoming desktop application capabilities to better serve GoPro customers while appealing to new customers who may or may not own a GoPro camera. We believe offering a broader portfolio of hardware products and software solutions to address new customer use cases and needs will enable us to expand our TAM. Our product roadmap is accordingly robust, tailored for consumers and professionals whose digital imaging needs require the types of solutions GoPro is uniquely positioned to provide. In just the past week, GoPro was honored by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences with our second Emmy Award, this time recognizing our industry-leading hypersmooth video stabilization. Our two Emmys are testament to GoPro's thriving culture of innovation and incredibly talented people. At the end of 2022, we plan to increase our hardware offering from the two product types we have today, Hero and Max, to four distinct camera products. And we expect to expand that further by the end of 2023. This is in addition to the aggressive roadmap we have planned for software, including new cloud capabilities, and an all-new subscription-based desktop application. To the GoPro team around the world, 
congratulations and thank you for delivering such impressive results in 2021. You definitely navigated some of the most challenging business conditions the world has ever seen to deliver market-defining products and equally impressive financial results. Your execution also combined with our passionately supportive work culture to land GoPro as the number one large business in Outside Magazine's review of the most desirable places to work. Congratulations and thank you again, everyone. We look forward to building on all of this positive momentum in 2022, our 20th anniversary year, to deliver what we believe will be another stellar year. With that, operator, we're ready to take questions. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. And if you're on speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. And we'll pause a moment so that everyone has an opportunity to signal for questions. And we'll go to our first question from Eric Woodring of Morgan Stanley. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Congrats on the quarter here. Um, you know, m maybe if we take a step back, this is your first year where, where you had the subscription bundle in the market for the full year. So, you know, would just love to know what you guys learned and maybe how you plan to enhance the value proposition there um, to provide more value for your customers. And then I have a follow-up. Hey, Eric. Thank you. This is Nick. Uh, before I answer that, I uh, appreciate that question. Uh, I just want to acknowledge, you know, this has been a really tough day in the market, and many businesses are facing significant challenges right now. <laughs> we, we know the feeling. We've been there. And I want to acknowledge how tough business can be and how grateful we are to have GoPro uh, in such a stable position with many growth opportunities ahead of us, thanks to, you know, the strength of our execution, most importantly, our people and our partners and our strategy. Uh, business takes heart, it takes faith, and uh, it's working for GoPro, and we're really grateful for it. So just want to acknowledge some of the, the turmoil that's going on in the world, and um, we've been through it, and we're happy to be on the other side and looking forward to see other businesses pull through as well. Uh, Eric, uh, what did we learn, and how are we going to further create value well, what we've learned, thankfully, is um, the subscription offering is a hit uh, with consumers. Uh, they're passing the IQ test. They continue to convert uh, at GoPro.com with a subscription to camera purchase attach rate of greater than 90%. Uh, so that's enduring, um, and we are getting better and better at uh, driving awareness. That's a, that's a big opportunity for us. Uh, awareness is still not as high as we'd like it to be. Um, awareness of the offering at GoPro.com, I mean. Uh, and in general, we recognize that there's more uh, to be done to drive awareness of GoPro in general and drive awareness of our newest products. Um, we're all, you know, living the dream and, and, and very much uh, immersed in GoPro. Uh, so it's obvious to us and everybody on the call that the reality is there's a lot more that we can do as a company 
to, to drive awareness of our brand, our latest offerings, and the value proposition at GoPro.com. So um, we see that as an opportunity, right? Uh, in terms of driving further engagement, uh, we are seeing good engagement, as we've mentioned on previous calls, uh, engagement of, of, of the various benefits that we offer. Um, so subscribers are making use of their subscription. Uh, but we see, you know, through research we've done on what they want to see from us, they want to see our editing tools move into the cloud. They want to see more automation uh, and convenience. The, the experience is really well tailored for what we would call users that are higher on the passion curve and are more interested in doing some of the work. They're, they're the more creative types. This is a hobby or a profession for them. Uh, but our more mass market mainstream casual users, uh, as you can imagine, they just want it to automatically work for them. The good news is we have that technology uh, in the app already with our automated edits. And uh, this year we're going to be porting that and all of the manual edit tools to the cloud and providing for a much more automated experience where, you know, you plug your GoPro into charge, it uploads all your footage to the cloud, we push you uh, a highlight edit of all of your uh, photos and videos that you just captured before you finish your beer. So that type of convenience <laughs> is coming uh, later this year. And those are the type of simplification uh, features that, that we believe are going to further drive engagement and value for our subscribers and, and keep that, that churn rate uh, moving south. That was uh, that was an awesome response. Thank you for that. Maybe to touch on the other side of kind of where you're where you're looking to add value and expand the TAM. Um, you know, you mentioned um, expanding um, hardware from from two product types to to two to four distinct um, models or product types, um, and then expanding that again in 2023. So, just any additional details you can maybe share to help us think about how meaningful that opportunity could be and potentially how it could impact the directionality of sell-through um, moving forward. And that'll be it for me. Thanks, guys. Congrats. Sure. Thank you. Um, yes. I'll, I'll start by saying, in some ways, you could, when you look at GoPro's limited hardware line, I mean, we really make a Hero camera and a Max. And we sell Max being our dual-lens 360 camera. And we sell, you know, older Hero cameras um, at lower price points, uh, for consumers that are looking for that type of value. But we really have two camera types, Hero and Max. And you look at the scale of the business that we have today, and you could argue that GoPro's success to date is really a proof point of a larger opportunity to serve consumer and professional needs um, in more specialized ways than we do today with just Hero camera and Max. You know, an analogy is if you think about how many cars does Ford have to uh, serve its customer base or Chevy or even, like, really high-end specialized brands like Porsche. Um, they, they have a lot more than two car models to satisfy the, the various specialized needs and or demands, be they fashion or function, um, of their customer base to maximize their TAM penetration. So that's something we're really excited about. And like car manufacturers, we have very powerful platforms um, of our existing cameras that we can leverage to produce derivative camera types um, that are just 
sometimes more narrow in focus, but can do a much better job more conveniently for the end user than a full-blown hero camera can today. And in, in other uh, areas, we think that we can go even further and do even more than a hero camera can uh, in certain areas of performance where we just we, we have had ongoing demand and requests from our users for products like that. And we're finally able as a company to uh, go after some of these new product types and serve customers in these new ways to grow our TAM because the business is stable, the business is growing, the business is profitable, and we also understand how to get a good return on investment from any new product that we introduce. One of the reasons that our product line is, is, is as small as it is today is because we spent several years cracking the code on, like, what is the best go-to-market strategy? What is the best way to derive the most margin and profit from our business? Uh, it can't be the way that we were doing it in the past, uh, and so we came up with our direct-to-consumer and subscription-centric approach, which has obviously uh, turned out to be quite successful for us. And now with that uh, success, with that growth and profitability, we're able to confidently invest in some of these new products to grow our business further. But I do want to uh, stress that the, the, the word derivative here is really important because we're able to leverage existing camera technology that we have as a platform to go and make these new cameras at less expense than if we were um, initiating ground-up camera programs, which would be more expensive. And that's why we're able to, to, to attack this opportunity with the modestly increased um, OPEX that uh, you're going to hear about today. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. I'm going to go to Martin Yang of Open Hybrid Company. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking a question. Um, so uh, I think my first question is around your uh, year and subscribers. And you mentioned that stronger retail led to a slight miss on that shrubber count. Can you maybe go into details on, you know, the, the reasoning why a relatively stronger retail can lead to uh, a lower sub count? And are you expecting perhaps a total uh, revenue level where the mix favors highly higher on GoPro.com and now you end up maybe having a more traffic going to retail? Uh, hey, Martin, this is Brian. Um, good question. As we looked at Q4, um, kind of a similar thing happened uh, to Q3. Q4 retail did exceptionally well. Um, GoPro.com did well, too. I mean, we were up 39% for the year, $392 million. You know, our sub and subscription revenue was $53 million for the year. It's more than double uh, year over year, which is, you know, has very high margins. Um, the fact is, if you look at the KPIs around subscription, we increased um, our, subs our subscription attach on GoPro.com, which was in kind of 90s, low 90s, but more mid-90s. So that actually improved. And retail attach has been steadily improving through the year. Um, Q4 a year ago was about 8%. It moved to 15 and by the end of Q4, it was about 25% um, attach. From, from mobile. And uh, so that's been, been very encouraging. But the mix shift in just units, given the dynamics of 90% to GoPro.com versus 25% to retail, it just, you know, that equation gets 
gets pretty tough, right? 90 to 25. So the, the, the challenge there was just the mix between strength and retail. And it's, it's awesome that we have two very strong channels. Retail has done very well for us uh, through the year and direct to consumer uh, did great up 39% and the company was up 30. So, um, obviously we were a little bit shy of the 1.7 million. But but there, it's really more of a positive attribute to where the demand came from and actually the KPIs that are driving subscription growth as we look ahead into 2022. Yeah, and uh, a follow-up on that is that your 2022 uh, sub-target is a little higher than what I would expect. Has that 2.2 million target factor in uh, maybe a relatively stronger retail uh, channel that you saw in 4Q, or that was more of a normalized uh, mix? Um, it, it's about the same mix that we have ending. We had about 34% was direct-to-consumer, um, and, and the rest was, was retail. Now, if direct-to-consumer does better, we can do better on the subs number. Um, it's worth pointing out that about one in four, sometimes one in three cameras, go through D to C. And so as you model out, we expect to have uh, unit growth in 2022 as well as AFP growth. So you can kind of model out um, that and um, kind of get to, to those numbers. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thank you very much. Our next question is from Nick Todorov of Longbow Research. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, good afternoon. Um, first, a uh, clarification on, on the first quarter of guidance. Uh, Brian, if I take the midpoint, 215 on the sales, 41.5 on gross margin, and 80 million for OPEX, I get to about 10 million of operating profits. I think the comments say 11 to 12 million of net income. Can you breach that uh, for me, please? Yeah, I, I said approximately 80 million in OPEX. Um, and there is a spread on margin as well. So, um, I think those two things will get you into the 11 to 12 million range. And, and it's great to see, you know, the model that we delivered, you know, such terrific results in 2021 is continuing in 2022 and Q1. We just guided, I think, 6% up on the midpoint. On revenue and, you know, up nearly 150%, 120 to 150% up on net income. So we're getting really good leverage on the model um, on 10% to your unit because we're transitioning more units to the high end. We have more subscription. Um, margins are up. We're controlling the offbacks, and that's flowing to the bottom line. So the model's continuing to play out in 22 as it did in, in 21. Okay. Or maybe we'll take a, a, a offline because, again, I, it's still struggling to get to 11 million of, of, of or 12 million of, of net income. But a uh, question on, on sell-through, I think based on the comments for the first quarter, you're guiding to slight decline in units uh, year over year. Um, how should we think about sell-through in the first quarter and then sell-through for the year? Uh, I think you're expecting units to be up. And then how, how can you what – can, what can you say about your – channel inventory strategy this year? Yeah. Um, 
for Q1, we expect to be over 600,000 units and sell through. Um, we're seeing that. We've seen Europe uh, rebound at the beginning over COVID. Gopher.com has actually been uh, doing very well, uh, and North America is coming back. So feel good about the 600,000. Sell-in will be uh, a little bit less than that. It'll be between five and 600,000. So channel inventory would come down uh, a little bit in Q1. And, uh, you know, it's going to ebb and flow quarter to quarter. For the year, we think units would be up, but I think units uh, from selling and sell-through will be largely balanced for the year. So I think as Nick can talk about on the roadmap, more products, I think you'd see um, a bit more um, maybe sell and then sell-through in Q4. So it kind of balances out throughout the year. Okay. And, Nick, for your question, I guess, how, can you compare and contrast how the new hardware uh, roadmap is different than the good, better, best strategy that you were running for the last couple of years? Um, I know you can oh, say I'm glad you asked. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, so uh, it is important to add, offer some value options to consumers. Uh, you know, you got to meet the consumer where they, they are, and not every consumer is – at the, the passion or, or need level where they want to buy your most uh, capable, most expensive product. So we still will have, you know, uh, value offerings like we do today. Um, but our focus is more on premium solutions uh, that are differentiated from one another. And so without going into detail about the products themselves, if you – if you look at our good, better, best strategy uh, that, that we used to have, that was three different price points of the same camera, and the camera, you know, got you know higher resolution, higher uh, frame rates, maybe some additional features as you went to the higher price point product. But by and large, they were very similar, and they were built for the same use cases. Uh, so, you know, you were, you were attracting the same customer, uh, but just they might have been an entry-level, mid-level, or, or, or high-end customer, uh, but of the same customer type. Uh, going forward, we think it's important to build very differentiated, uh, specialized solutions for different use cases to appeal to entirely new groups of users. Um, that have new needs that, you know, a hero camera maybe uh, solves, but, you know, maybe it's got some other aspects to it that are undesirable for that use case, and the user doesn't need all these other things that the hero camera does, and so it ends up being, you know, more than they need or not enough of what they need. And so we're, we're very focused on identifying what are the particular challenges that, people are having, and I, I, I make it a point to mention consumer and professional uh, because I think it sometimes gets missed that uh, GoPros are used by professionals the world over, whether it's for film, television, uh, their own commercial purposes, uh, their own research purposes. Um, we just won our second Emmy. Congrats again to the team for their work on hypersmooth video stabilization. You guys deserve that recognition and got it. Um, but it's not a good, better, best strategy. It's use case A, B, C, D, E, F, G. 
uh, all very different from one another. And, um, you know, rather than make one Swiss Army knife that does it all for some people, uh, some people want specialized knives, and that's what we're going to build for them. Got it. Thanks for the answer, Nick. Thank you. And we'll go to our next question from Paul Chandler, J.P. Morgan. Hey, guys. Um, thanks for taking the question. So just to expand again on the, you know, the new derivative product, how are the ASPs going to kind of trend? Looks like your gross margin guide is pretty similar range, so I expect it to be pretty similar. And then are you looking to kind of attack different demographics to, you know, drive more subgrowth there? Uh, is it kind of existing users, combination of both, just comments there? Yeah, the ASPs, as you, as you can see from the guide, uh, we're going after uh, developing premium solutions. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of experience chasing volume unit sales with lower price products, and uh, it's not nearly as fun or profitable a business to be in. Uh, we don't like dumbing down our products. We like developing uh, the highest uh, performing products possible for those uh, consumers and pros that, that have specific needs, and they're looking for that uh, level of quality from GoPro, and, and that's what we're building our brand and business on, and it's turning out to be a smart move because there's a lot more margin and ultimate um, earnings power in that approach. Um, in terms of, um, you know, I would just think about, you asked about different demographics and so forth. Um, more so, I would say, we're targeting different use cases, and we're targeting some of the same use cases that we serve today, but in a uh, more purposeful uh, and specific manner to just better serve that user that really wants to use their GoPro for this specific purpose. Uh, we already make a Swiss Army knife that's the hero camera that, uh, you know, if, if if you're an athlete and you want to put it on your helmet, it works great. If you're a uh, blogger building your career as an influencer, it works amazingly well for that. Uh, throw it in a dive housing, and it's arguably the world's best scuba diving camera. I mean, the hero camera is, is a jack of all trades, but with that uh, comes some lack of uh, specialization that some tip of spear customers really need or, or desire. And it, it also comes with some uh, excess for people that don't need everything that a hero camera does. And then for other users, it doesn't do enough. And we need to do things that they have been asking for for years that we just can't get done with a hero camera due to certain, you know, physics constraints. But if we make an entirely new camera based off of hero camera technology, but we break the mold in terms of, like, what the camera's form and purpose is, we can deliver for these people, uh, and they've indicated that they're willing to pay even more for these types of specialized solutions. So uh, it's going to be really exciting when we get there and we have a broadened product offering, uh, broaden, broader portfolio, uh, more more tools for more people, more legs to stand on. We don't need um, these products to be hero cameras again in terms of sales volume. Um, when you when you hit a lot of uh, singles, doubles, and the occasional triple, and occasionally you catch one and it goes out of the park, that's great for business. And that's our strategy here is 
uh, to, to have a, a bunch more stakes in the fire uh, that are backed by consumer research and we're, we're absolutely clear people want this from us. Uh, and time will tell if, if some of them can take on the, the hero camera, you know, for the, the, the top spot in terms of volume. But incrementally, we think these are going to add up to be very meaningful for our, for our business from a growth perspective over time. Great. Thanks for that. And then on cash flow, Brian, you know, record cash flows for the firm this year. Um, you know, if you could expand on the performance there, the kind of sustainability of, of working cap efficiency, and then your, you know, your cash guide suggests strong cash flows again um, this year. So if you could talk about kind of where, you know, on the share buyback, are you going to be quite aggressive there? I mean, you haven't really bought back shares in better part of three years. So any comments there? Thanks. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, yeah, cash flow was record $211 million in 2021, 18% of revenue. And we really brought it home in Q4 with up $160 million or 41% of our revenue in, in cash. The model is really um, driving that on all levels. One is we're more profitable, so most of the cash is coming from earnings. Um, we get terrific um, AR. You know, we're at 26 days when historically we'd be in the 30s or 40s um, this time of year. So the working capital aspect is great. We took inventory down 30-something million um, in the quarter. Uh, so we've got very good um, use of cash um, working off the balance sheet, uh, which we expected to do. Um, yes, we expect to have cash, uh, in, you know, basically be um, still above $500 million, but we have to pay back $125 million in one of our converts. We'll do that in April. Um, but yet, it'll be over 500 uh, million. So that says we're going to generate um, cash, you know, nice cash uh, in 2022. Um, so, and the model is really, really driving that in strategic shift to D to C, and we we have great collections and inventory management even in retail. So that's paving the way for us to do it. We will, you know, buy back shares throughout the year. And uh, it, it's great that, you know, we have the opportunity to do that again and work down shares. Um, it, you know, it's also worth pointing out, you know, in our, my prepared remarks, you know, uh, our share count was $163 million in 2021. It's going to increase about 26 million shares just because of we have to increase the share count relative to, to the converts. That's the new... Um, standard we have to implement in Q1. Obviously, that has an impact on EPS, but the absolute dollar growth of net income um, is there for Q1 as well as you know, 2022. So one of the next I pointed that out so when you do your model. Great. Thank you. And we'll go to our next question from Jim Suva of Citigroup. Thank you. Uh, I have two questions. The, the first one is, I guess, more of an observation and looking for your commentary. You know, I, I travel quite a bit, and suffice it to say, a lot of destination and international travel has been on pause for, say, two years or so. And I was just thinking as I walked past, like, the duty-free shops and the shops in the airport where people buy spontaneous, hey, I just arrived to, you know, um, Australia, and I'm going to go scuba diving, so I buy a GoPro camera that's waterproof. Those type of things really haven't 
you know, activities haven't occurred for a couple of years. So with that, I'm just wondering in your outlook, are you assuming some travel comes back, all travel comes back, no travel comes back? And I assume that channel has kind of been, what's our word, dormant for the past couple of years or so. But, but any commentary on this, or maybe it's not material, but I would think it's kind of meaningful because um, people buy when they go on destinations. Yeah, hi, Jim. Uh, Brian, you are absolutely right. They do. That has been dormant. If there's one area that where COVID has impacted GoPro, it's been on international travel and travel destinations. Um, we've been out of duty-free, out of cruise, you know, that spontaneous purchase or people just buying in advance of going somewhere, uh, you know, on Best Buy, Amazon, or on GoPro.com. So that's definitely been, been absent. It's you know, and historically been about 10% of our revenue. So it is material uh, from that perspective. So when it does come back, it will be a nice tailwind uh, for GoPro. We've not factored in, uh, have not factored in a big return to international travel, um, not yet, for 2022. It may happen, uh, but we're not, in, in the current guide that we have, it's not, there. So that's a, a call option, if you will. If it does come back, we'll be in position with supply chain to uh, meet that demand. Great. And then my follow-up question was, um, you announced a stock buyback of $100 million, but then you also have a convert. And I assume, given inflationary environment and your employees have been doing so well, there's probably some compensation, you know, boosts that come into share account or something. Nick, can you walk us through again the share count from where we kind of exited the December quarter? Seems like there's a lot of a fair amount of moving parts for the share count we should be aware of, and your stock buyback adds additional, um, you know, guidance if we could get some, some thoughts on that. I'd love to answer that, but Brian would kick me under in the shins under the table even uh, through the phone line, so I'm going to hand that one over to Brian. Yeah, but, Nick, I, I hope you're rewarding your employees for really doing a good job, Nick. They really did. So hopefully they get some merit. Oh, yeah. No, it's been a good, it's been a good oh, year yeah. for, for GoPro on all fronts, and thanks for saying that. Okay, Diane? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And as a matter of fact, in our OPEX in 2021, um, we will be um, paying bonus for our employees. We did not pay a bonus in 2020, so it's well-earned for the employees of the company. Um, so congrats to them. Um, we we still do our our you know standard um, share uh, issuance to employees and you know the buyback in part is intended to at a minimum cover that dilution uh, and if we can generate enough cash flow we can um, take it down further so we have that opportunity if uh, as we continue to perform we can we can cover more than just employee dilution. Great. Thanks so much, Brian. And with no other questions in the queue at this time, I will now turn the call back over to management. Thank you, operator. And thank you, everyone, for joining today's call. This year marks GoPro's 20th anniversary, and we couldn't be more proud of the work that we're doing. We believe the world needs specialized camera and software solutions that GoPro is uniquely positioned to provide, 
and we intend to deliver such solutions at a brisk pace over the next few years to diversify our offerings and appeal to a larger audience of consumers. Our teams are strong, our brand is strong, and our balance sheet is strong. We intend to leverage all three to create more value than ever before for consumers and investors alike. We look forward to seeing you at upcoming investor events and at our next earnings call in May. Until then, thank you very much. This is Team GoPro signing off. And so this concludes today's call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.